everybody, and welcome back to Don't Quit Your Day Job. Thank you for listening. My name is Paul, and I am once again joined by perhaps the biggest guitar star um, in in the United States right now. His name is Mark Tremalia. Thank you for coming on the show once again, Mark. How are you, buddy? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm looking around for that guy. Where is he? Where, where is he? <laughs> well, then let's uh, let's go right into talking about the topic. So in the previous episode, you were getting ready to go to M3, which was the big festival around the 4th of July weekend in Baltimore featuring, I don't know, 100 different bands, all of that late 80s, early 90s era. Um, and now you're back yep. and you played it and I saw some video and I saw a picture of a giant Mark E.T. on a, on a, on a big <laughs> screen um, with a close up <laughs> of the Les Paul in your hand. So so wh- how was it? What, what was it? How, yeah. Did you was it awesome? I guess. It was awesome. Yeah, it was a blast. It was fun. You know, I, uh, the festival started on Friday and my friend's band kicks, uh, Brian Forsyth, they played Friday and I was hoping to get out there, but you know, day job commitments kept me, kept me in LA. So the whole band was there, um, and said they were great. And then I flew out on Saturday, got there Saturday night. So I pretty much missed everybody who was, uh, um, Queensryche and Accept, who apparently stole the show. I guess from what I heard from everybody, Accept was like a German rock machine. Uh-huh. Like everybody was just like blown away by them. Um, and I saw some video and they did, they looked pretty badass. I watched Balls to the Wall and I was like, damn, they had like choreography and everything <laughs> and like, you know, German technology. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I saw there was like Slaughter and the Bullet, the original Bullet Boys played and uh, Nuff's Enough played. And I got to see those guys because unfortunately their tour bus broke down. So they were leaving. They played Saturday morning and then they were driving to New York for a show um, uh, that night. I think they were playing that night and they broke down halfway there. So they were going to do like two shows in a day. And apparently it it was it it was fine because I guess the club was dead that night anyway. So so it worked out okay. So we got to hang out for the night, which was pretty fun. And I got to see all the you know all the pseudo rock stars. I shared an elevator with Brad Gillis and hung out with Mark Terrain for a little bit and saw um, you know Chip obviously and uh, who else and uh, you know all, all all of that. So it was, it was pretty fun. So when you when you see those guys, so if you go back and listen to one of the early episodes, the I think it was the '96 tour uh, where Mark Terrain pulls the butter and life in the restaurant in Houston that you talked about, all of that. So when you see these guys again, when you see these guys again, uh, like like him, Bullet Boys or Chips Enough, you, how are you guys like interacting then? Is it like old friends or is it like, you know, work acquaintances or what is it? A bit of both, a bit of both. Yeah, it's like, what's up, bro? What have you been up to? And then you usually shoot the shit for a minute and catch up and, you know, and then, I mean... You know, it was it was a big festival, three days, lots of bands, and there's only one hotel in all of Columbia, Maryland, the Doubletree Hotel. That is the only one. There's a second hotel that's actually under renovation right now, so everybody knew where all the bands were staying. Okay. So the hotel lobby till like 3 a.m. Saturday night, 3 a.m. Sunday night was 200 people packed in there. You know what I mean? So. 
So people were doing that thing where you talk to somebody for a little bit and then it's like, oh, holy shit, I haven't seen you in a long time. What's going on? And then at the same time, you know, fans come up and they go, hey, can I take a picture? Can I have you sign the CD or whatever? So, you know, so it was a, it was a neat mix of that. You know, I mean, okay. I got there late, like I said, on Saturday and I was probably one of the last musicians to arrive because I came, you know, into the hotel at about nine o'clock, 10 o'clock maybe. And all the bands were coming back and everybody was partying. I remember walking through the lobby with my guitar in my backpack because I only brought just minimal and i i like a couple people like guitar player for little caesar oh my god can i get your picture i'm like dude i'll be down in like one minute can i just go to my room put my bag down i promise like you promise i'm like yeah i'll be right back and then on the way up in the elevator you know dude i can't wait to see little caesar tomorrow you're the guitar player right you're mark right i'm like yeah yeah so i'm like this is gonna be fun man you know because there's people that care about the music and and the fans and it's like that's the best part is like you get to meet the fans and they're appreciative and you know, they're like, no one, they're, they're like, I don't, I didn't meet one jerk. You know what I mean? Right, like everybody was right. pleasant and nice and, and it was, it was really cool. Um, I, I want to talk about fans in a second, but a short digression, which is um, the photo thing. So certainly back in the eighties and nineties and early two thousands, when someone saw you, they basically, I'm guessing just wanted an autograph, like, right? But now it's a photo. Yeah. So a photo always takes just a little bit longer. So how is that dynamic? How does that work? Uh, about the same. Now they just ask, hey, can you sign this? Can I get a picture while you're here? And there's usually a third one that's tagged on there. You don't have any pics in your pocket, do you? And usually I, I usually carry a couple, but Saturday night I got hit up for a bunch and I had none in my pocket and I felt bad. And so I, I made sure to carry a bunch with me and I came home with no picks. I didn't bring that many because I didn't, it never struck me that somebody would want my guitar pick. But by the end I was like, damn it, I got none left. Like I gave them all out. <laughs> Actually, that, the, the point about guitar picks is, is pretty funny because I don't, I don't ever ask for autographs anymore. I just feel like. I don't know, maybe I'm too old or whatever, but I still, I do like to collect picks. Um, but what's weird about them is I end up using them because they just go into my pick jar. Oh, really? and, <laughs> right? oh and so God. then one time I look at, oh, this is Steve Rothery's pick from Marillion. I, you know, I probably shouldn't be using this, but it's what I have at the moment. So I'm going to play with it. So that's a little... <laughs> Wow, that's funny. I mean, as you've probably seen, I have a, a quite a pick collection that I, I collected along the years just on stages. Like, I, I've found some crazy picks, you know, from Dimebag Daryl's pick, you know, to Joe Perry, Keith Richards. I got a Brian May one that came from Phil Chen, who did a session with him and got got a, you know, a pence from him. And so I, I like, I have a little frame picture with all my favorite picks yeah, in there. So that's cool. I, I don't use them. I'm a nerd. <laughs> uh, so now let's let's shift back to the to the fan. So in the previous episode before you were going out, one of the questions I asked was for for a legacy band like Little Caesar or a so-called legacy band like Little Caesar, is it a mix uh, or is the is the fan someone who's trying to relive the, that time or is it a fan that's really enjoying it in the moment? And so now you are back in the thick of it after a pandemic year at M3 with every you know, a million fans all around you. So what's the answer then? Uh, a little bit of both. I think a lot of, I think mostly those people that are fans still really love the music and still listen to it a lot. You know, I mean, a couple of the CDs I was signing people, you know, I'm like, do you want me to sign it on, on, on my picture or on the cover or where? And they're like, no, sign the cover because whenever I play the CD, I like to be reminded, Hey, I met this dude. I hung out with this dude. You know, I thought, Oh, it's kind of cool. Like I get, you know, why you might want a signature then, you know, because 
you know, he's like, I got my big shelf and I just pull it out and I, I see it there. So, you know, and that that's a real fan, I think, you know, I mean, and we also had at least two or three people come up with like 10 pictures and I had to sign them all. And obviously I'm going to look on eBay and they're going to be selling them for like $2 and 50 cents. You know what I mean? And it's just like, like it probably cost them more to put it up and try to sell it. But I mean, you know, they they knew all five guys, a little Caesar going to be here. Let's get all their signatures. Let's get 10 of them. And then, you know, I'll keep one of course. And, and then they always go like, well, this is for my cousin. And this is for, you want me to put their name? Oh no, no, no. That's okay. Just sign your name. You know, like, Oh, okay. I, I get it. <laughs> Do you ever go on eBay and look and see if there's something that you signed up, up for sale? I I haven't. No, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I never thought of doing it. You know what I mean? I just yeah. assume that's what's going on with it, but I never have been so, I don't know, caring about what they do that or people do that. I, I look it up. You know right, what I mean? Right. I don't that's what, but, so, uh, so but what, yeah, so it, it was really, okay. That, so just a follow up here. Um, when you're walking into that atmosphere and you're seeing like genuinely happy people, um, does that, how does that affect your frame of mind and getting ready to, to play a show? Like, does it, does that make a difference I, at all? Or is it just like, no, it doesn't really make a difference at all. You know, I mean, that that night, you know, I had I'd worked all week and I had a long flight. I had to wake up early for and then I didn't get there to like 10 o'clock at night. And I thought I'm going to change strings, go to get a good night's sleep. And then, you know, we're meeting at 9, 9 a.m. Sound checks at 1030. You know, we play at 1230, you know, so it's going to be, you know, fairly quick. But I, I want to get some rest for it. So I'm feeling good. And of course, Oh, Chip's down here hanging out, you know, like Eric Turner's down here. Come down and hang out, have a beer, you know. So I end up going down there and Pharaoh's down there, the bass player. And so next thing I know, I'm going, oh, my God, it's 2 a.m., dude. I like I got to go get some. I got to still change strings, get some sleep and be ready at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. to, you know, catch the shuttle over to the venue. So it's like, oh, shit. But I did it, you know, because that's what you got to do. Right. <laughs> So then there's um, like a lobby call. Everybody has to be on the bus and whatever. And then you get carted over to, to the venue. And then, and then what happens? So then we go in and uh, we're getting ready for sound check. So big festivals like this, they have all the gear for you there. So basically the first thing you do is you meet with the backline techs and they say, what do you want to use? You know, we've got eight stacks. You can use, you know, however many Marshall stacks you want to use. And of course, playing with Lauren, who's a punk rock guy, Lauren's like stacks, fuck that. He's like, give us each a half stack. And I'm like, Perfect. Let's do that. You know, because we knew every band was going to have at least and they did. Every band had at least two stacks up and we're like, you know what, let's just be ourselves. You know, we always play half stacks anyway. So why are we going to want to, you know, <laughs> fake it and put four huge stacks up there that we're not going to use anyway. So we did that and we set up. Now, the stage was a lazy Susan stage. <clears throat> so it's one of those, you know, it, it, it turns. So while the band is on, the other band is fully set up and then they just spin it and the other band can start playing, which is really cool. And since Night Ranger was the headliner, they technically get the first sound check. And then because we're the first band, we get the next sound check. So we were supposed to get a half hour from 1030 to 11. So at about 10 o'clock was Night Ranger sound check. And they just had one guy out there, the guitar tech, it sounded like, because he's a pretty good guitar player. And he played both rigs and, you know, went through whatever the sound guy was asking him and then played bass and walked all around the stage and noodled on the keys. And then he played some drums 
And then the next thing you know, I look and I'm like, that looks like the drummer guy. And it was the drummer guy for for Night Ranger. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I wonder what he's doing here, you know? And so next thing I know, he's putting his in-ears on and he's sitting on the kid. And it's only like 10, 15. So I'm like, whatever, we got 15 minutes till we're even supposed to check. So, you know, we'll see what they're doing. And, you know, I'm thinking he's having trouble with his in-ears and he keeps doing um, – the beat from uh, Sister Christian, which was really easy to pick out. You know, that build where they go, bop, 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 You know, he kept doing that. And I turned to Ron and I'm like, excuse my French. I'm like, does he not fucking know this song? Like, I could fucking sing it and play it after all this time. And next thing we know, it's like 1040. And he's still doing the same song again and then talking and talking and then doing the same song again. Now it's 1045. He did, he's done the song again. And, you know, like Ron is annoyed as shit. I'm annoyed. And Lauren being a punk rocker, dude stops and he's talking to the tech guys. And Lauren looks at me and he's like, fuck this. And Lauren hits his amp on and just starts playing. And I think it clicked in the drummer guy. And he was like, oh, oh, shit. You know, so he said some stuff and then he just walked out of there. And I was like, God, man, I'm like, how fucked up is that? Like, you've been playing that song for literally like 35 years and you got to sit here and sound check and screw the band after you. I like we all thought he was an asshole. We're all like, what the hell? You know what I mean? So anyways, they spin the lazy Susan and we're in front and we get a half a song of one rocker and then a half a song of a ballad. And then we got to run off stage because doors open at 11. So we, we got our little check in and we felt good about it and everything. And 1230 came and we went on and we did our set and we, we played it like perfectly in time. Like we had 45 minutes and we played like 43 minutes and the, the, booker of the venue the sound people were just they were really cool they're like you're one of the few bands that used dynamics in this festival and you actually respected us you didn't come on late you didn't overplay because uh, other bands who will name remain nameless played over their their allotted time and um and uh you know it, it went really well so after we played though the the funny thing is i haven't done one of these in a while obviously was we had to do a meet and greet and a photo session so we had like 30 people that had paid to take pictures with us so we had to stand there as a group and then they shuffle them in and we go hey what's up what's up cool high five and then we take a picture and then they shuffle them out and the next person comes in and they'll go oh i had your album when i was 17 man you guys changed my life you guys are so amazing we take a picture okay thanks and then they run out and then they take us into the southern room and there's like a line of like 100 people and they're waiting for autographs so it's like that's where we do the signing so then that took like you know we pretty we missed all the pretty boy floyd because we were doing that and so uh i went and i watched a little faster pussycat and then i watched la guns who uh they played a little longer than their set was supposed to and then uh went into lita ford's set which was kind of not cool because people were really looking forward to her and so i stood on the side of the stage and watched lita and she was great she like she sounded spot on. She did Cherry Bomb. She did, uh, oh, cool. you know, Kiss Me Deadly okay. and all that stuff. Yeah, she did uh, She did Alice Cooper. She did Only Women Bleed. I was like, whoa, that's great. <laughs> and so, so she was awesome. And then uh, who was after that? It was uh, Great White, Warrant, and then Night Ranger. And so to, to cap off my whole Which version of Great White? So it's the original band members. It's the okay. it's the original four guys with this guy named Mitch Malloy singing okay. now. And he uh, he never really got big, but he did almost join Van Halen. When they got Gary Sharon, he was like the guy they were going to have. Oh, and he's, he's sort of a David Lee Roth ripoff. Like he's got a fan on stage. I don't want to talk any, but I can't help it. He's got a fan on stage like Beyonce. <laughs> and he sings into the fan and he's got long blonde hair and it's constantly like it's an 80s rock video. <laughs> and it was like, wow. But, you know, he's a great singer, super talented guy. The crowd seemed to love him. You know, and uh, 
So after them was, was Warrant, who my friend Robbie Crane is filling in on bass, and I wanted to see him, but for whatever reason, Warrant, out of all the bands, have a policy that nobody's allowed to be backstage when they're playing. So that was the only band I couldn't go watch from the side of the stage or even go backstage to say hi to Robbie because while Warren is back here, no one can can be back here. So apparently they're, wow. it's pretty, they're pretty huge, apparently, yeah. even though they didn't headline. And, and Night Ranger was like, everybody come back. <laughs> <laughs> so so they were all actually really cool. So to cap off my, my sound check story, I watched Night Ranger set. I always was kind of a semi-fan. I had like their first two records and I thought the guitar playing was great and I thought they had some cool hooks, you know? So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to watch them, you know? And we, I went out to the crowd and watched them, which was fun because people came up for pictures and autographs and they're like, you know, I can't believe Little Caesar's out in the audience. It's like, really? You know, like <laughs> I would normally have to buy a ticket and I'd be standing right next to you. But anyways... So Pharaoh and I are watching the whole thing, and Pharaoh's a great singer, you know, and he goes, man, sums up with that drummer, because the one song he sang just didn't sound good, and then Sister Christian, they were ending with, and, you know, I could tell the piano started out, like, here we go, you know, I got my camera out and everything, and basically... The, the, the drummer who sings the song must have lost his voice and that's why he was doing so then i felt bad that we were all angry oh, about him okay, because yeah. he could not like he tried to like he went sister christian and then he goes jack jack the to the bass player he goes get out here i've never heard you sing this go ahead and sing it and so jack he starts singing and he goes damn i don't know the words you know and, and kelly's like trying to egg him on and and the bass player sang sister christian so he definitely had like some sort of huh. illness problem you know something and ron's like now i feel really bad he's like because i know what it's like to struggle with your voice and everything so he wasn't being a rock star he was dealing with some bullshit you know some messed up throat and then the biggest hit song that you have to sing you can't even sing so that it must have really sucked for him i felt bad that's definitely uh pretty pretty crazy yeah and that's like a testament to you know you never know what someone else is going through right so it's easy to cast that stone but but, Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, I mean, that stone has has been cast a million times because normally it is a guy who's just like li- seriously though. Like the headline bands will be like, it's all about me. I mean, people are coming to see me. They don't care if you get a sound check. So fuck you. You know, right. like, and yeah. I'm just like, we thought that was the attitude that was going on here. That's what we were we were sensing was that because I mean. He's using in-ears. No one can hear anything that's going on. And he's doing the same damn thing over and over and over. And over. And we're just like, this is like, is he just sticking it to us? <laughs> he's just like, I've always hated Little Caesar. I'm going to make sure they don't get a sound check. But turns out that wasn't the case at all. And so. you you know uh, the other guitar player, the non-Brad Gillis gu- guitar player in Night Ranger, right? Yes, Carrie Kelly. Yeah, he's a local local guy who's played in a lot, a lot of bands. Great guitar player. And so did you get a chance to catch up with him at all or no? I didn't. I didn't get to see him or Robbie Crane at all. And, you know, I went back to the hotel because a lot of people said, oh, they're you know, those guys are going to come hang out because the backstage warrants and Night Rangers were literally like they walk off the stage into their dressing room. Like for everybody else, ours was down a hallway and then there's like. 10 dressing rooms down a hallway and so all the opening acts we were all down there but they were i guess the co-headliners so they they had like the close one so i i didn't even you know and i didn't want to be that guy going hey you just got off stage what's going on <laughs> you know yeah so i figured i'd run into a hotel so i went back and even though i had to wake up at 6 a.m for the flight the next day i hung out again till like 1 a.m and those guys never showed up so i was like yeah i'm just gonna go sleep for 10 minutes <laughs> 
So overall, like the 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 your performance, the Little Caesar performance, you were overall, you guys were really happy with it, the way everything sounded. Um, one of the things I want to mention here, and and maybe you can comment on it, is you did send me a little bit of video and stuff uh, so that I could hear some of the other bands. And what struck me was for such a huge event, the sound was amazing, just like it sounded so good. Yeah. And I'm used to playing punk rock venues where you can't hear anything, right? Except for maybe some cymbal washes. <laughs> so so talk about right, that a little bit. Right. Like, what are you hearing on stage versus what's going out into the audience? Everything's mic'd up, obviously, and, and whatever. Well, when I was on stage, I, I was pretty loud, and I had monitors that were cranked pretty good, but we were getting, like, this weird bass reverb that was kind of making things woofy. Uh, so it was a little tricky on stage, honestly. Um, but you know, it's just like one of those things. You, if you've done it for a million years, you just you just play through it. You know, I, I uh, like Tom's drums kind of disappeared by the last two or three songs, but everybody was. I could still hear mostly what was going on. So it's just a matter of focusing and playing ahead because it, with three songs left, I wasn't going to be like sound guy, sound guy, turn up the drums, turn up. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, everything was pretty loud already. So I was like, I just found spots. If I knew I needed to hear Tom play a beat for a certain part, I'd walk closer to him, you know. But right. we used a lot of dynamics in Little Caesar, and so when stuff would come down, I could hear things really well. You know, as they got louder, I would just tap my foot and stay in rhythm and seem to work out okay. Now, um, you know, the Meriwether Post Pavilion is is – it holds 20,000 people. I mean, it's a pretty big venue and it's hosted everybody, you know, like I was looking at the, you know, pictures backstage of everybody that's played there, you know, from Elton John to like Toby Keith, you know, like everybody has played there, you know? And so it's, um, they have a house sound system and a house, uh, engineer there. And so those guys know that system so well. And, they were the ones that did our sound. So we knew we were going to have a really good sound out front. And then the fact that they liked us really helped. Now, a lot of the other bands brought their own sound guys. So what the house sound guy does is he kind of sets them up, says, this is where we're kind of at to make it sound good. And then, you know, <clears throat> here, have at it. And then, <clears throat> then you know, in these days, everything is so automated. Sometimes guys have a, a what do they call those? Like a, um, like a USB stick with them yeah. and it literally has the mix of the band on it and they just plug that in and it brings up their mix and it goes right to what their standard mix is and then they just adjust it a bending according to the venue okay. so so yeah and they i mean they had monitors galore we had side fills you know the pa system is quite powerful cool. <laughs> and of the i saw a little bit of video uh, of you guys playing and you moved around quite a lot at least at what i saw but no spins no scissor kicks no guitar around your head none you know so what's up with you with you oh you just didn't see all the video Oh my God. I was doing David Lee Roth kicks. Like you can't believe Paul. I'd like four in a row with my guitar and then I'd spin it like ink. No, I don't know. I just, I've never been into all that showy stuff, but it was nice having a lot of room on stage and, and I could really like, like connect with the audience. And that's why I was walking over a lot because there was a lot of people to my right to, you know, looking at the stage to, to the left. But <clears throat> I was just trying to like, you know, have fun with them. Cause I could see people were singing the songs and clapping hands and stuff. So it's like, you, if you're entertaining them, do it. Yeah. Cool. 
then let's uh, let's end this episode with uh, you have some shows coming up in the LA area, both with Crusados and with Little Caesar. And so first, as we get into that, so first thing I want to I want to ask you about is you were just on the biggest stage I've ever seen at M3, and now you're going to go to club stages. So what? How? How do you adjust to that? Or are you just so used to playing wherever, whenever it doesn't actually matter anymore? I think it's <clears throat> it's, it's that. <laughs> I'm used to playing wherever, whenever. You know, I mean, we rehearse, and I've, I've always been like a, a club bar guy my whole life, you know? I mean, I've been lucky to be on big stages before, and that that's where it's more of the adjustment. Because I know what it's like to play in a tiny room with five guys, you know? So I feel kind of more comfortable like playing the viper room but you know when you get on that big stage it's it's a whole other thing you know and so you know it's so i don't even know what to compare it to because it's all kind of the same in a way it's just different aspects of it right you know it's right. like sometimes you're but I, I i don't know sometimes i like the in intimacy of like the small club and being jammed in there and hearing everything right next to me you know rather than you know, having to have really loud speakers on both sides and in front of me just to hear the drums because they're so far away from me, you know, right. like that's kind of like, I like to feel it usually if I can. Right. So, And um, do you, do you think that this, this, these legacy bands, do you think that this is now going to be more and more of a thing, especially post pandemic? So you guys are going to play with Junkyard and, and I know like in the Pittsburgh area, um, enough's enough just came through. It must have been they were making their way back from M3, basically, right? So that, so and and you see a lot of that. But do you feel like um, Little Caesar in the United States or Crusados in the United States are are you going to have more opportunities now? Do you think? I don't know how. I mean, I think it's the same. Honestly, okay. I don't think people are more apt to go see the legacy bands because of the pandemic. I think it was kind of a thing, you know, like we had, a, we had some like to play with you out in Pittsburgh and everything. And we have people, you know, on Facebook and Instagram always like, you know, come play Florida, come play here, come play there, you know? So it's like, there's definitely an audience that still loves that music out there. You know, I mean, Europe is always a testament to it. Every time we go right. there, it just blows my mind. For we sure. sell out places and it's like, you know, you can't believe you're playing in front of 500 people in France and they're chanting your name when you go on. It's like, <laughs> what? Where am I dreaming? Like, seriously? <laughs> it's so great. Then, uh, so great to hear about all of that. I'm going to leave you with uh, one last question. And that question is how many skullets did you see? What's that? A skullet is when you're bald on top, male pattern baldness, but you keep all of the the side and back hair. So it's a mullet, but with your skull on top. So it's called a skullet. Oh. So it's like business in the front, party in the back kind of thing? <laughs> well, I mean, like maybe older business, you know? So because there's nothing, there's <laughs> nothing happening on top. So it's like an, an older business. So we're... 
for the was it a lot of like um people dressing like they were in their 20s or what did what did you see there was some there was some of that there was some younger kids there too that were like rock star dressed you know like walking through the crowd i was like oh wow you know this is cool and you know it was everything you would expect what i saw more than anything really was fans in shirts like i saw a ton of little caesar shirts kicks pretty boy floyd fast like everybody was wearing their rock shirt was really what it was you know and 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 uh, but everybody was pretty normal for the most part, you know. It was like it was it was a very cool vibe and it was fun. And you know, I know the last few years M three is sold out, and this year it didn't quite sell. You know, it's twenty thousand people. I think there was like twelve maybe this year. You know, so it was still great. You know, right. but like it, you can see empty seats. You know, and it's like that kind of sucks. But it's the first thing after the pand like literally it's the first show after the pandemic at the, at Merriweather. So. So we'll see how it how it goes, you know. Yeah, and I feel like you know I'm going to shows now, of course, but I don't know how I feel about being with twenty thousand other people, honestly. So I'm not sure I would go to a show like that. So still, sort of at the tail end of the pandemic. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people felt that way. You know what I mean? But you know, and it was interesting. You know, when I went out into the crowd to watch some of the bands and people would come up for pictures or autographs, everybody was pretty respectful. Like, can I get a picture? Can I put my arm around you? And you know, depending on the person, I said, ah, whatever, sure. That you know, can I, can we shake hands, elbow, or what? You know, and so people were, were nice that way. You know, no one just was like, you know grab my hand or put their arm around me or anything, you know, like the usual drunken thing that people would do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, so great. So great. Um, All right. Awesome. Uh, Thanks, Mark. Thanks to everyone who's listening. Please continue to listen. Uh, We certainly thank you for your support. We recently had the 50th, 50th episode, which has been great. And I'm, well, I think we're both really happy that people are actually digging the podcast. So, so thanks to everyone out there. Yeah, thank you all, man. It's it's been so much fun and like it's like a memory retrieval. <laughs> like I forget all these things I do and you hit you hit questions and I'm like, "Oh my god, I did do that or I did meet them." <laughs> all right, right on, buddy. We will uh talk to you again uh sometime in the near future. Be well. Sounds good. Thanks, Paul. Man.